Welcome to the Danish Board of District Heating's podcast series, where we cover different aspects of our industry. I personally have for a long time noticed that our industry is not very diverse. To many, too many in our industry are very much similar to somebody like myself, not very young, male, a bit gray maybe even. To look into this, I have invited Charlotte Owen from the Danish Embassy in the UK to discuss diversity, and she has invited a few experts as well. So, I'm still Morten Jort Dudale from the Danish Board of District Heating, but today your host will be Charlotte. Please, Charlotte, take it away. Thank you, Morten, and hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Charlotte Owen. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, and I'm the Principal Energy Policy Advisor at the Danish Embassy in London. So I'm taking over this podcast today from your usual host, Morten, to talk about the very important topic of gender diversity in the heat network sector. Have you ever walked into a room at a heat networks event and realised that the, you're, you're the only woman in the room? Do you ever think about what implications the lack of women in the sector might have for our customers and people in the real world. Have you ever wandered around an energy center wearing PPE that's far too big for you? Well, you're definitely not alone. We're going to explore these topics here today and perhaps listening will help you tackle that imposter syndrome we sometimes all feel creeping in or help you have a discussion about gender diversity in your workplace. Everyone, regardless of gender, is encouraged to listen along. I have two fantastic guests here with me today. Rachel, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Charlotte. And hello, everyone. My name is Rachel Mills. Um, I do a lot of stakeholder engagement in the built environment in sustainability uh, through my company, SE2. And for the last six or seven years, that's focused on heat networks. Um, I've worked at a housing association in the UK where I was responsible for their heat networks. And since then, I've been delivering heat network consultancy for the social housing sector. But in 2019, I also co-founded a group called the District Heating Divas, which is an informal business network for women working in heat networks across all walks of life. So engineers, designers, marketing people, lawyers, financiers, everyone from people who are just starting their career to those who are very senior, might be vice presidents, board directors, things like that. And it's an opportunity for everybody to leave their sort of job titles at the door and to just join and share experiences as women. Um, since 2019, obviously, we went through the pandemic where the Divas became a real lifeboat for a lot of people, I think. We've got about 350 members, six regional groups who meet on a fairly regular basis. We've had three national conferences, a mentoring program, and we're, we're trying to promote careers in the sector as well. And all of that is done pro bono. It's a really inspiring um, and joyful place to be. And it's one of the best things in my job at the moment. So I'm, I'm delighted to have been uh, invited and I'm looking forward to today's discussion. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so glad you can join us here today. I'm a member of the Divas to everyone who's listening, and I can tell you it is a fantastic group. Uh, it's open to women and anyone whose uh, identity includes womanhood, so you should definitely consider signing up. It is so much fun. One of the best conferences I've ever been to was the Divas conference. Um, anyway, uh, Kama, would you like to please introduce yourself? 
Yes, thank you so much, Charlotte. And it, it sounds so interesting that I, I'm so embarrassed that I'm not a diva yet. But I, I, I can hope to be in the future. But uh, for now, I'm the manager director of CTR, which is uh, responsible of operating and developing the uh, heat transmission system in the metropole of Copenhagen, uh, Denmark. So. Uh, and I have worked with district heating for more than 20 years, so in that way, I'm, I'm an expert. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so before we begin, I just want to acknowledge that we can only speak from our, our own experiences. So I am an intersectional feminist, which means that I recognize that women from different backgrounds and with different identities experience oppression, discrimination and prejudice in different ways. I also wanted to acknowledge that gender is a spectrum and that people who are non-binary may also experience inequity in the workplace in other ways. Um, so with that noted, I wanted to begin by posing a statistic to both, both of you, Kama and Rachel. So in Denmark, around 70% of district heating organizations' boards have no women on them. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel slightly disappointed, uh, to be honest. Um, and I feel like all of those Danish companies are missing a huge opportunity um, to have, um, you know, diverse and in slightly different um thinking on those boards uh, and I think if you get the same of all sorts of people regardless how they're all the same uh, there's a there's a risk of sort of group think and um, I think by not having the right diversity it's just a massive missed opportunity. I totally agree and a serious number of studies have also shown that uh, diversity uh, in, in broad terms will make your uh, financial a, a, a better um, uh, company. Uh, and, and it's also a bit disappointing and, uh, with another angle because in Denmark actually we have a, a quite an eagle uh, society between men and women and, and all, most most far most of the women are, are working so so it's not due to to um, uh, women not being on 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 the field uh, that's not why uh, these numbers come forth I actually saw it was a bit uh, older uh, uh, statistic that uh, the numbers in when you t uh, only have the boardroom it's about four percent uh, of all uh, in the energy sector uh, in, in broad terms. So it, it's quite bad. <laughs> yeah, I suppose one of the challenges is that once you get to those kind of higher echelons of organisations where you are looking at senior leadership on the board, mm. even if you have sort of relatively equal numbers of women joining the sector, um, the structure is just not designed mm. to support women to get further up within organisations to um, to you know, to see those promotions through, it is a very sort of institutionalized systemic issue, and I think you know those those numbers do reflect that. Um, yeah, you see the same in in other business, of course. But and and I will say we have seen an increase in in women in the district heating sector. When I started twenty years ago, I surely was the only woman into the room, but. That's not the fact today. It's 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 better, but still, there's a long way to go. Yeah, most most definitely. Um, so 
I did some research um, just in preparation for this podcast, and I found that over 80% of single parents in the UK are women. And according to the New Economics Foundation, single parents are seeing their bills rise 56% faster than the average household. And of course, currently, both in Denmark and the UK, we are feeling the effects of the current energy security situation and that rising price of energy. And it did make me think, you know, how might gender perspective actually shape this discussion about how we manage that rising cost of living. I think it's interesting because, um, you know, with, with the single parent statistic you just shared, but traditionally as well, and this is generalisations, but, you know, women tend to be in caring roles. So they tend to be the ones who take parental leave for new babies. They're the also ones who tend to care for uh, elder relatives and just in the community more doing more um, caring roles, which tends to mean that they're at home more. They also have longer life expectancy. So, um, you know, you're going to be more likely to be a uh, older woman than an older man on on general. Um, so, so I think they are directly impacted more by um, those rising prices because they're at home more. I think it was interesting through the pandemic when we were all at home more. Um, it, so th- it would be interesting, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for all this research to come out, you know, looking back over how, you know, energy usage changed over, over the two years when we were all at home. But now we're um, back in the workplace uh, on the whole, although obviously more hybrid working, which is great. I think the other quite interesting thing, I was involved in a conference last year um, about fuel poverty um, more generally, and there was a session on that about gender and energy poverty. And the point that they made was that um, in uh, traditional families, um, and even really um, ones where there's a lot of equality, in, including including mine, I would say, it's it's the husband that makes the really big investment decisions about the car that we're going to buy and things like that. And it's the women that make the smaller everyday decisions about which shop we're we going to buy groceries at or should, uh, you know, and, and juggling the, 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 the daily domestic budget. So I think that impacts on women in those ways as well. Um, I also think on, on the broader fuel poverty, I know some housing associations are thinking about how they can support um, their, their customers who are in who are going to be in deep, deep need. Uh, and it's it, it's a problem, not just for heat networks, but but generally, I think, with the rising prices and people are looking at quite, you know, extreme measures like opening community centres. So people have somewhere warm to go in the evenings where they can have a hot shower or children can do their homework. So I, I think it's I think it's a going to have a massive impact. And I think because women are in those caring roles, it will be up to them. Um, You know, it will fall on their shoulders more than it will for men. Not to say that men aren't extremely worried. I think, you know, on the flip side, it's traditionally men who are out breadwinning. I know, you know, this isn't always the case, but, you know, so there's more pressure on men to bring home the money to pay for the energy bills. And I I think, you know, equality in its purest sense means that everybody needs to do more sharing of all the things. So we need to have more sharing of the caring roles and more sharing of the um, income uh, generation. I, I very much agree. And I have been wondering what what does this difference means when you go to the boardroom? Because uh, when we don't have women represented in the boardroom, then how, how will the um, companies take the right decision due to what you just described? Because uh, those are our customers. And how will they react in this situation? And if if you only actually have one side of the customers representative in the board, then 
you could fear that that uh, they wouldn't see in in time uh, to react in the right way. For instance, uh, um, due to the prices, how, how the prices will be um, um, structured for the next coming years, uh, it could have a, an influence that people wouldn't uh, be able to, to to buy the bills because too late they, they acknowledge that the families have this uh, serious situation. Uh, and another thing, what kind of savements do you do in the families? Uh, what kind of change do you have to do? Um, you could fear that uh, if, if it's the men who take the decision of the investment, but the woman who, who actually uh, sees and controls the daily bill will then... Will you then take the right decision in the end of what what, what is the wise thing to do? For instance, savings in, in, in the energy area is not very uh, visible in, in the household and could be in a way a bit boring to invest in. Uh, but I do believe that in the situation we are right now with these huge price uh, rising uh, numbers, uh, I think all, all, all households will will have a stiff blick uh, view uh, at at the energy costs. But we need to to somehow um, uh, use the situation to get some benefit on the long terms. I think um, you know fundamentally, the more research that I have done uh, preparing for this podcast. I think the more you start to realize that energy is a very inherently gendered topic and a very inherently gendered issue. I think something I always struggle with as somebody who is you know, a, bit, a big promoter of gender equality um, is that you do have to actually look at the sector in terms of the way that society is now. You know, I think ideally we all want to see women and men and everyone on an equal playing field and able to access boardrooms to make decisions and um, a fair split of um, household chores and domestic responsibilities. But the reality is that's not the situation right now and as a result it does mean you need to think really clearly about how do women and people that don't identify as men experience um, the current energy situation differently and I think that I do wonder you know if we had if we did have more women on boards as you say Kama um, would would we have reached a different situation than the one we're in now that's a huge question because the main reason of the situation is the war in Ukraine, <laughs> and would so 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 it would take a, a restructure from for the whole world to, to answer your questions. But um, I do believe we would be in a different situation. But but it's also it's it's such a oh um, uh, difficult question because if if you believe that uh, diversity means anything. I believe that you have to acknowledge that we are different in persons. Um, because if we are not different in persons, then why should diversity mean anything at all? Then we would just look different. Uh, and by saying we are different, then 
in what way are we different? Because then we are going to those boxes. I, I felt that Rachel was a bit fear, afraid to, to put us in. And, and I'm, I'm very much afraid, afraid of that too, because it's so difficult to, to generalize on, on, on sex because we're, we're, we all have something of, of the other box and some is culture, some is nature, and which is what. But if we put all that aside, I think we it's easier to say yes women in in and now I, I have to speak for myself as this woman I am but this woman I am are different from from men uh, in, in 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 different ways and um, and that's why I, I think it will make a difference if women uh, and men are together instead of only women and only men because it's it's the same the other way around that if you have uh, a board or a company where primarily about women you will have the lack of the man uh, point of view so so but it's a difficult discussion discussion yeah I totally agree. I was, I was going to make the same point that equally we don't want all women boards either. You know, we want diversity. Yeah. yeah. And and your your point is is right that my experience is different from the other two women on this podcast. No, we, not all women are the same. We're not homogenous. <laughs> it's just like not all men are the same. And we're not also not saying that men are some sort of mythical evil <laughs> thing. You know, they are they are good people. But we we want diversity in its roundest form. And obviously exactly. today, as, as Charlotte said at the top, we're talking about gender diversity, mm. but there's a whole range of other, you know, diverse experiences as well. And mm. in the broadest sense, we, we need mm. to encapsulate all of those. Yeah. And I think it's because whatever decision you're going to make, it, it, it's always good, you know, to have different point of views, and and we we have no doubt about different point of um, um, uh, knowing, like law and financial and things. We cover that every time we make a decision. But the thing that your personal experience make a, 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 a affect the decision you are making. Uh, I think that's that's the one we need to acknowledge more than we do today. We 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 aren't machines we are what what we come with with an experience and so on and that's why the the best decisions are made if if you have a lot of experience around the table i'm hearing that um boards and sort of key decision makers is a really big theme here for um, the question of gender diversity in the sector. And I think a key problem is that although grassroots change can do a lot, um, and we should all definitely think about how we can get involved, um, change does also happen from the top down. And I think the thing is, is that those currently vested with power tend to look a lot more like Morton than they look <laughs> like me. Um, and if I think about how I'm going to convince a board or an MP to change something, it does often come back to that. What financial impact is this having in the real world? And I found that um, research from the McKinsey Global Institute found that if women were to participate in the economy um, identically to men, that could add as much as 28 trillion US dollars um, or 26 percent to the annual global GDP. Um, and I think representation in the sector in Denmark and in the UK, so in the heat network sector, um, is is improving for sure, uh, but it's definitely not representative. And I wonder, you know, what implications do you think this actually has for our customers out in the real world? 
when we set up the Divas, um, so it was this harebrained scheme, you know, we thought we might find 50 women working in heat networks. We, we just thought it would be really small. And as I said, you know, we've got, <laughs> you know, close, you know, we're nearly at 400, which is, which is so exciting. Um, and so I think the women are there. And I think um, in the UK, and I mean, heat networks have been a, around a long time in in some form, but it's it's really had a massive kickstart in the last sort of five to ten years. So so in its in its sort of flourishing state, it is a you know a relatively new um, industry with with the regulations that are coming. There's loads of government investment, so so I think it is becoming a more attractive sector, and I think that is bringing in more talent from from all different sorts, uh, including women. And I think that will take time for those women to work upwards and and from bottom up, and also to be drawn up from from the top as well. Um, and I think you sort of have to do that with purpose as well. I think I'm slightly not exactly answering your question, but I think with, with the point you made about, you know, senior leadership, you know, and, and the men making the opportunities for women and all of those things, whatever you're doing when it comes to making a thing that you are doing diverse, you have to do it with purpose. You can't just expect that it will automatically happen. Um, so you have to consciously um, make that thing happen. Um, and... And and I think there are many, many, most of the men I know want the workforce to be more diverse as well. And they are actively, you know, they are our advocates and allies in this. And I think, you know, it takes all of us to make this thing happen. But you have to do it. I was organising a conference um, recently and we did a speaker briefing call. And um, one of the speakers, the first thing he said was, um, we have a policy only to speak on diverse panels. And if this panel is not diverse, I'm going to have to step down. So that felt like it, real leadership, you know, so, oh. you know, this is what we stand for. And this is how I'm going to make this happen. And I, and I think it will take all, all of us to act with purpose. I do believe if if your um, research from McKinsey is correct, then then actually we could save a lot of money on in the the industry if if we were better to diverse our decisions makers. And uh, I believe they're uh, right because of what I said before. Your decision will attend to to uh, foresee more. Um, things that can affect your decision if you have a broader uh, experience uh, found to, to stand the decision on, uh, to, yeah, to, to, to yeah. make the decision. That, so that same McKinsey research, uh, uh, which I think we've all read, um, it actually <laughs> says one, one of the reasons for that growth as well in, in the marketplace, especially they were talking about, um, you know, diversity in the workplace, um, is is that if you have a diverse workforce, you will attract more diversity because people mm. can see themselves. And when it comes to the leadership role and board, um, if people can see that's what you're doing, the best talent will want to join your company. Mm. Uh, and so you will you will have better people making better decisions exactly. and showing better leadership. And it's this amazing virtuous circle. Mm. So it's sort of like if you build it, they will come a little bit as well. So as well as having diversity of thinking, you will also externally people will see that and they will want to join you. Yeah. And, and so it gets better and better. 
And and the weird thing is, because this this research is a couple of years old, why why haven't we seen a big race of uh, companies wanting to do exactly what you you just told us about, Rachel, uh, showing uh, very expressive uh, that you take a, a stand on this issue? There's an organisation in in the UK called Powerful Women, um, and it it acts across the whole of the energy sector, and it's trying to increase the number of women or the proportion of women in middle management and senior senior leadership and board level uh, in in all energy sectors. So that's oil and gas, nuclear, you know, across the across the whole piece, um, and and it's working. And one of the things that, like you said, Cammy, you've got to measure it and report on it and hold people to account on it. Yeah. And they have seen a change, uh, and their statistics they update their statistics every year. Uh, so I'd, I'd recommend finding those as well, having a look at that and seeing how that's changing and what can we learn as the heat network from that and, and replicate so. within our sector. I think um, something that is really important around gender is the way that people um, experience communication differently and the way that men like to be communicated with compared to women um, can be hugely different. Um, And of course, that's, that's not always true. But generally, there is um, evidence that shows that men and women um, respond differently to different methods of communication. And for us now in the heat network sector, you know, particularly in the UK, where we still have a relatively nascent sector that is, you know, about to hopefully explode um, into the energy world um, and get to a point where one in one in five, uh, one in a fifth of our heat is delivered through heat networks. Um, we're going to have to do a lot of consumer engagement over the next decade, at least. Um, engagement with um, communities to help them understand what heat networks are. Engagement with local authorities to help them understand the roles that they will play in being stewards for the heat network sector and identifying where the most appropriate places are for heat networks to come forward. Engagement with our politicians, our MPs. And I think you know this it is really important that we do consider um how gender might affect the way that we want to communicate and it's not just the ways as well it's also you know it's it's the times that you try and communicate um it it's it it's the language that you're using it's the actual method that you're using as well and i think there is a big focus at the moment where government is regularly asking the sector, you know, what are you doing to reach out to your customer base or to people in your local area where you might be delivering a heat network? How are you bringing people with you on this journey to net zero? And I think if we don't consider gender as part of that, we risk not bringing people with us. You know, we risk leaving people behind or we risk that a a section of our society won't support the, the heat networks industry. I, I very much agree. It, it's it's so important these coming times that that we have the people uh, very close actually. Uh, for all time, uh, heat network had been so dependent on the customers' um, trust because we connect and 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 they they so to speak can't get rid of us that easy. So so to so we really need them to feel uh, both included and and f- to feel that we. Uh, 
understand them and, and, and that their needs are actually very serious for us. Uh, and I, I do believe, as I think it was you said earlier, that the thing to, to, to recognize oneself in, in the other part is very, very important. And that's why we need to be diverse. We need to have men look with being a mirror for other men and but we also need to have women being a mirror for for the women um definitely yeah i, I think you're right I, I mean the communication piece especially in the uk is going to be mm. massive given the mm. growth so at the moment it's, it's the about, same yeah. you know two percent of of heat come your domestic heat comes from heat networks at the moment and that's going yeah. to grow to 20 percent. so most people don't even know what a heat network is in the, in the uk it's 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 pretty niche although you know me and Charlotte know loads about it. We're very passionate about it. But So there is this massive uh, step up that needs to happen in awareness, what it involves, the pros oh. and cons. And, and I think um, like any, it is good business sense to be able to talk to the widest range of your customers. And it's what the big brands do really, really well. Yeah. Uh, and all that thing about trust and explaining and transparency and clarity and all of those things. Uh, you know, and, and we can learn from other sectors in that as well. And the point that we keep on making is there are there are many different experiences and you've got to find lots of different ways to reach out to people. I mean, trusted third parties, you know, on the fuel poverty work I was doing, you know, 20 years ago, we, we worked a lot with trusted third parties, faith groups, um, sort of, um, you, you know, groups where there's the places where there's uh, a lot of immigration, you know, and, and so they've got sort of different community oh. groups. Yeah. Um, and and there's all these different ways that people connect and we need we need to reach out to all of those and just think where do people see things and as charlotte said what language do they use what questions will they have and and making it as transparent as and and as easy to understand as possible i, th I think that's the other thing as sort of engineers we, we we're putting a lot of detail into explaining what a heat network <laughs> is but all somebody wants to know is is am i going to be warm will there be hot water and exactly. how much will it cost yeah, me yeah, yeah. and how reliable is it so you know we, we it, it is about speaking the language of the people who need to listen couldn't say it better <laughs> i think um a thread I'm picking up again through this this conversation is this idea of of representation, or you know, as you kind of put it, camera sort of you know holding up a mirror and see, seeing yourself. Um, and do you think that seeing other women in the workplace changes how you personally participate and learn and develop at work? I definitely think so. Um, I, I, so to speak use myself as a, a role model so so if i got the opportunity to uh, have a, a speak or something I, I will take it also because i'm a woman because i i think i i have a duty so to speak to uh, to be a part of 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 the um uh, heating uh, sector yeah and to be a visible Kind yeah, of. absolutely, massively. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me yeah, purposely, one hundred percent, it yeah. makes a difference seeing seeing other women in the workplace, and and, and again, um, again through the divas. That's kind of why we did it because I couldn't see the women. I knew a small group of women, mm -hmm. and now there's this massive group of women, and all the feedback we get is is they. Women who are part of it love knowing there are other women who are doing mm. similar jobs, having similar problems, and whether that's really. Mm. not an engineer so they can talk technical stuff and communicators can talk and and it's just it's a real uh, yeah 
especially for the people who who are new in their career, early in their career, they just find it hugely um, supportive and and inspiring a little bit as well. I think to to see all these other women that they can talk to on a on a one to one basis. I mean, it's a very open and egalitarian sort of network in a way. And anybody, and it also means you then got you know in an old fashioned business network thing you know somebody and then you can pick the phone up to them and ask and I think there's been lots of you you know for me I I find um working with women a really collaborative experience not not all not all women are collaborative like we've said because not all women are the same (laughs) Uh, so you know generalizations but I find it collaborative I think we have a shared experience as I said before especially through covid you know when everyone was going how do I do homeschooling how do I do this oh my goodness you know and and all of that stuff It, it was it was became a massive support group as well and I think even when there's not an official mentoring program, you know, which are also really beneficial. But I think just having other people with similar experiences to you who you can go and have conversations with in a sort of informal mentoring or coaching role is is, is really important as well. So, yeah, for, for me personally, I I love working with a real mix of people, but I especially love working with women. And and I do hope, I don't know, but if, if we take another sector like the caring sector where typical uh, pr- primarily it's it's women, I hope those men who are starting up in, in kindergartens or something, they find a network like, sure. then I don't know what the opposite of diva is. <laughs> something like that on nursery or something. Uh, because they will have the same need. They will be surrounded by women all day. And I, I could imagine they would have the same need to, to meet up with other men who find this job very interesting and to be a role model in in this area and so it's it's not that uh, mystic uh, mysteria uh, that you you need to to come together with someone more more like yourself and to exchange uh, experience Definitely. I think for me, one of the reasons why I love the divas is because it makes me feel sort of normal, inverted commas, um, or like it's sort of natural for me to be there. Um, Like it's a very normal thing for me to be a woman in the sector. And I think it makes me realize that when I do walk into that room and I am the only woman, that there's something wrong with the room and not something wrong with me. Yeah, and perhaps you you get a bit more relaxed and can ask more questions, so you don't feel this is a stupid question. It's not pr- probably because I'm not uh, the right one. It's it, you, yeah. you get a safe space where where you in a way can can speak out, and then you can speak out in the other rooms as well because you you get the comfort for from from the other women as well. They are behind you, even though they are not there physical. <laughs> so um, I think we're sort of coming towards the end of our time on our podcast. Um, so I'll just ask one final question. Um, how do you think we could encourage more women into the sector? It's it's a very good question and it's a difficult question to ask. I do believe what we just talked about, being a role model, is an issue and, and we need to be that 
also on the, the universities and and other places with with young people to to make them interest in in our sector at all uh, and the women especially i think rachel's in initiative in, in um, uh, with the divas is an extremely good example of doing something actively so i will take that with me and go to my association i i actually try to start a similar group up there but in denmark i i think there's a little fear of uh, are we doing something special for women because we want to be like we, we are not special we are one of the boys and if we are having a special group what's that all about so actually it was difficult i i didn't get uh, huge uh, among the women co- uh, well, connecting, we should, but we, I we, should, we should pick this up, Kama, afterwards. Let's <laughs> yeah. have the Danish divas. Yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah, I think yeah. I think that I, would be great. I, Let's go I international. Think, yeah, uh, yes, I, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think, Charlotte, I think, um, you know, cr- recruiting women in, into any sector, like I said before, has to be done with purpose and you have to put the adverts mm. places where women will see. And I think as well, because Heat Networks in the UK is relatively small, as I said before, people men or women don't realize it's a it could be a career choice rather than something you find yourself in so so I think you know and and we need you know the the growth that we're going to go through in the UK and heat networks is going to need a lot more talent of all sorts so I I think there is a massive opportunity um, for us to promote ourselves you know as Kama said at universities and and just general I think if there's general awareness raising of what a heat network is you know more talent will come in we've done our small bit on the divas on our, on our website we've, we've made a short video it's about two minutes about people sharing their experiences of their career in a heat network in an attempt you know like a promo video really for heat network so so that's available and it's got a really diverse sort of um uh, you know, lineup of, of people sharing their experiences from different bits of the, the sector as well. And we, we all, we've also started advertising Heat Network jobs on the website as well, which is totally free. Anybody can, you know, can post a job. So in a small way, trying to find a place where people can come and find out what a career in Heat Networks looks like. And so we can, again, um, do that and, and make it diverse and strong and, and talented and wonderful so we, so we can grow the sector. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kama and Rachel, for joining us here today to talk about the very important topic of diversity and gender in the heat network sector. Um, You should definitely all sign up to the District Heating Divas if you have not already. Um, We do have some international members who are part of the District Heating Divas who uh, join online or come across for um, some of the conferences. So definitely do sign up. Um, do sign up as well to uh, DBDH's Hot Cool magazine. Um, Rachel's written an article in there recently. I've written an article in there recently. I'm sure Kama must have as well. Um, it's a fantastic uh, magazine, so please do uh, give that a read. Um, I also just wanted to flag that there is also um, an organisation called Diverse Heat Network, um, which has been set up by Vattenfall. Um, it's a it's a group that's looking to promote diversity in the heat network sector as well, with a particular focus focus um, on having a, a range of ethnicities involved in the sector. Uh, so do have a look into that group as well. Um, and with that, I will wrap up and let you know that next time you will have Morton back as your usual host. Um, so thank you, everyone. I've been Charlotte Owen and um, look forward to um, the next time. <laughs>